Hey, welcome to Azuma's Diary, where we unpack life's experiences to laugh and learn. This week, we continue our streak of false advertising. Fellas, let me tell you something. Now, it looks bad. I know, three weeks of false advertising when you said you were going to change up the formula and the entire format of how this podcast works and then you can't get a single guest on a show that's guest-oriented. Well, let me tell you, this week was not because of my incompetence or because of the fact that uh, nobody could come over to my house because we're all still minors and under 18 and we don't have our licenses yet. No, not because of anything like that. Well, because this week was... Uh, fucking busy, and uh, we'll talk more about that later. Now, of course, with the lack of a guest, there's going to be less, uh, this episode is going to be shorter, but we still have to open this episode like we open every episode on this show, or at least, you know, after after I said I was going to change the formula, with some awesome news. Awesome news, the segment where I present all of you wonderful people with some awesome news that we will definitely be interested by and definitely have the time to unpack. Awesome news, guys. Taiwan still, 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 still dominates the chip industry despite geopolitical turmoil with their exports of IC chips, which are pivotal components of electronic appliances, computers, and smartphones. Their exports rose by 18.4% from a year earlier. This was the third straight year of double-digit growth. Now, 18.4% might not seem like a lot, but when you put that on a global scale, on a global market, that is, in fact, a lot. Now, can you unpack what this means for global cybersecurity at large, especially since a lot of the uh, necessary exports are being funneled out of a singular quote-unquote country, which the fact that its status as a country is disputed is uh, a little concerning, especially since they export stuff that's very valuable to us. Can that be unpacked and deeply analyzed? Obviously. But we're not going to fucking do it here. Anyways, moving on with some pop talk. First of all, I wanted to correct myself from the last uh, episode's pop talk uh, with some more specific news. SZA's new album, the history behind that. It is, more specifically, besides it topping the charts, it is the first of this century, the first female R&B album to top the charts. And it has now topped the charts for four weeks straight. First uh, female R&B album since Janet Jackson in 1992 to top the charts. So, good on SZA. Also, I finally listened to... mm, I didn't actually listen to the album. I listened to one song. I listened to uh, Kill Bill. I wasn't really expecting that, but also... I probably should have been because it's an R&B album. I was expecting it to go a little harder, but it's 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 R&B, so I don't know what the hell I was expecting. Speaking of uh, music, which that would have been a better segue if I had used the word music in a previous sentence, country superstars Zach Bryan said that if the Eagles were to beat the Giants in the divisional round, he would release his highly anticipated song, Dawn. Now, Zach Bryan... Uh, originally started his career and actually got famous off of his friends recording him performing his originals on YouTube and his song Dawn, which um, I haven't listened to. That's kind of a trend here. I talk about music that I don't listen to, which um, I listen to after and then I correct myself the next week. Uh, his song Dawn, which was teased on YouTube, but now that it is actually being released, uh, everyone's really excited for that because the Eagles 
absolutely stomp the fuck out of the Giants. Fly, Eagles, fly. Anyways, obviously Pop Talk is kind of not saying that this is also false advertising, but Pop Talk isn't all about music and shit related to that. Pop Talk is also just, I mean, you know, cultural stuff. Cultural stuff that we hold near and dear to our hearts. Like Kylie Jenner's baby baby's kite shit. Wait, hold up. Kylie Jenner's baby's name. Yup, that's right. Highly anticipated. I know, but Kylie Jenner finally revealed her child's name. Her second child, actually. Her son's name. In an Instagram post that uh, everyone was fawning over. Now, do we give a shit? I, I, I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. You know, like, I mean... People don't, my sister was born, right? Nobody knew her name until, like, she came out of the hospital and we're like, oh, this is Amelia, right? Nobody gave a shit. But the fact that it's, you know, Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott's, which that's actually something I didn't know until I actually uh, found the article uh, that Kylie Jenner is married to Travis Scott. But it was funny, though, because the article that I read uh, referred to Travis Scott as the Astro World celebrity, which... I really feel like is kind of, you know, the worst part of his career to refer to him as. That's like referring to Will Smith as, like, the Oscars guy. Like, that is the absolute worst. Anyways, uh, her child's name uh, was originally hinted at to be a compliment to their daughter's name, which was, what was it again? Oh, yeah, uh, Stormy with, a, with an I, because that is awesome, which, okay, I... After the thing that Elon Musk pulled with naming his child after a geometry equation, I don't think we can, you know, shit on any more celebrity baby names. I think we just have to accept it as it is. But Kylie Jenner posted a picture, a mirror pic, obviously, of her with her son with the caption, air with a heart emoji. Now, of course, people were crushing, uh, you know, not on Kylie Jenner, but on the you know, I'm not sure how old he is, like, three-year-old child, um, because I'm sure there's gonna be people out there that are gonna be like, oh my god, I'm gonna wait till he grows up, and then it's fucking weird, like, stop, guys, that's, that's weird, that's, stop it, that's gross, I know, I know someone out there is doing it, I know someone out there was like, oh my god, he's gonna be so fine when he grows up, stop it, he is, he can't even say the whole alphabet yet, please, anyways, his name is Air, Obviously, uh, used to compliment his sister's name, Stormy. Now, obviously, this was uh, trending on a bunch of news outlets uh, because celebrity baby names always have to be trending now, which it's, it, it is an odd name, but I think they kind of get away with it with you know their status of who they are because I'm sure they're going to grow up and they're going to be like, oh, what's your name? Air, that's a stupid-ass name. Your parents are who? Which... It, it just sucks how much we give a shit. Like, why? We don't... I'm not hating in any way. I'm merely just comment. Commentating? Commentating. Com... Comment... Is that a word? I'm not sure. Anyways, like, I have people at my school named after, you know... Which, this might just be a new generation thing. Because, like, it's like the whole thing with uh, adults being named Bob. And you're like, why? I have never seen a child named Bob. The name that I have is not an adult name. Because, like, everyone else's name is, you know, Ethan or Bob or Robert or, you know, Gregory. Like, where the hell? No, no kids are named that now. But it's just because all of the adults... Back then, when they were born, those were the those were the kid names, and then they grew up. Now, of course, when 
our generation grows up and we become the adults, we're going to name our kids different things and our kids are going to be like, that's not an adult name, but that's just not how that works. So uh, will people be naming their kids after the elements, you know, when they grow up? Like, will that be, will there be that one kid that's like, you know, uh, precipity or fucking, I don't know, tributuary up in school one day? Maybe. It certainly might head that way. But one thing we know for sure is that if you were born with a stupid name, unless you're famous, nobody really gives a shit. And if you are famous, then they're going to think it's, you know, the best name ever. Uh, one more thing before we start to talk about life some more. The Last of Us on HBO Max, the video game turned TV show, or the TV show, how about that TV show adaptation of the video game? I don't know what it, what's a better way to put it. Anyways, with Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey taking on the helm as the dynamic duo Joel and Ellie uh, is making waves currently on the streaming platform uh, because it is extremely faithful to the game and people fucking love it. Now, uh, of course, if you haven't played the video game, don't unless you don't want spoilers for the show, then I'd suggest not playing it or looking at uh, any gameplay or uh, clips from the cutscenes. But it is a great show set, obviously, in the post-apocalyptic world of... Of, of Earth, I don't know why I said it like that, where the cordyceps fungus, which is a fungus uh, that is known to hijack the nervous systems of ants and basically pilot them around so they can, you know, further their own agenda, agendas of funguses, where a, the cordyceps was now able to infect humans. And like just like it does to ants, it puppeteers their bodies and turns them into basically uh, zombies designed to further spread the fungal infection. It, I did watch the first episode. The first episode is an hour and a half, but that does include credits and some uh, behind-the-scenes stuff that is after the credits. It's a good-ass show. Pedro Prescal is a powerhouse of an actor able to bring insane uh, emotional weight to his performances and uh, really give the story a, a realistic take and are really is really able to pull your heartstrings uh, with his acting. Um, now, am I going to say what's going to pull your heartstrings about the show absolutely not you're just going to have to watch it but as someone who not i haven't played the video game myself but i obviously am aware of it and i've seen a bajillion clips of it hearing it on the local radio being called the last of days kind of hurt my soul a little bit it's kind of like you it's like people who are really into sports it's like football uh seeing someone talk about like a playoff game and they're like oh my god the the brown team made uh five home runs like it it hurts your soul but that's just because you know a lot about it like everything about that is subjective mostly because we live in a world that builds echo chambers for us especially if you have a cell phone or if you're just on social media a lot or if you're just on any content producing platform from youtube to tiktok you build a room that you will enjoy sitting in so if you are big into sports, algorithms are going to see that and they're going to present to you more content, more sports. They're going to normalize that for you. That is going to be the new norm, the new standard. So you're going to expect everybody else to know as much as you do about that. But then you realize you built that algorithm that is now feeding you the content that you want to see. Like someone who is deeply into sports and all their shit is sports is going to obviously be hurt when somebody doesn't know much as much about sports as they do. But that's because... That person who's really deep into makeup in the fashion industry is going to be offended when you can't name the one name of the French dude that made some fucking costume out of tinfoil and uh, bottle caps, you know? So it's like we're all in our own individual – I just hit the mic. We're all in our own individual rooms, and then we get hurt 
when somebody that is in a different room, as engrossed in their room as you are in yours, gets hurt when they don't know as much about a subject as they do. But that's just because we expect everyone to know it because that's all we see now. We build that echo chamber that feeds us the information that we think everybody should know because that's all we see. So we're like, oh, this is the new normal. But in reality, it's just because it's the normal for us and that's it. But yeah, anyway, seeing that one guy call it the last of days made me want to punch him in the face. But it's fine. Uh, it was an amazing uh, first episode. The second episode comes out sometime probably next week or this week, depending on if you say that the week starts on Sunday or Monday. I think the only time I agree i said that the week started on sunday was to kind of weave around a rule that i had with uh, my ex when you know her parents took uh the ginormous stick out of their ass maybe only like a foot where i got to hang out with her once a week but then i hung out with her son saturday and then it was like oh well tomorrow's the start of the new week so i guess i can hang out with her sunday yeah obviously yeah you know that, that fucking sucked anyways Episode sometime this week. I highly recommend you watch it. Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey, The Last of Us on HBO Max. Uh, what else do I have to talk about? I think that's pretty much it. Now, let's talk life a little bit. As you can tell, I do not have a guest. But that's because this weekend was a fucking crazy Saturday. One of the longest days I have had in a while. Saturday, I had to wake up at 7.45 in the morning. Why? Well... Some of you may have forgotten, and if you have, that's a good thing, but I'm going to bring up this deal breaker once again. Uh, I am a kid in theater, not saying theater kid. I'm a kid in theater, and there was an event in my state, the festival of theater that takes place down at our local college. Fuck it. Southern Arizona Festival of Theater. I'm not trying to be super. I literally put my full name in the title. I really think that, you know, an, an anonymity, 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 how do you? How do you say being anonymous uh, in your location is really not going to be as important now, especially when you have your phone name out there. Anyways, Southern Arizona Festival of Theater down at the University of Arizona. A bunch of different schools from all over Southern Arizona go to compete in various, um, not sections, in various, what is the word? The word is escaping me in various in things, in the, the, the categories, yeah, that's what it is, categories, from monologues, to duo scenes, to group scenes, to duo musicals, to musical solos, everyone shows up with a piece that fits within the rubric or the criteria of that specific category, and they perform, and depending on their performance, they can get one of many ranks, what is it, it's fair, good, excellent, and superior, because they don't want anybody feeling bad for their shitty performance. So the lowest thing you can get is fair. There is no negative negativity here. Even though you can be absolute ass, it's still fair in their eyes. Because, the, I, I don't know, theater kids need a lot of validation or else they self-destruct. I, I, I don't really know. I wouldn't know. I'm not a theater kid. I'm a kid in the... Okay, you get it. Anyways, uh, I did perform for the very first time or compete at least for the very first time. Uh, in the U of A, thinking that it was to go to state, because of course, it was a regional competition, so the logical thing was that if you do well in the regional competition, you, you move on to state, uh, but turns out, because the board of directors that runs these festivals is run by a bunch of dinosaurs who think they're hip for doing shit differently, like uh, in the old days, no, the regional competition 
is to go to the national competition because that makes so much fucking sense. Which means if you don't get straight superiors for all of your performances, you are not going to nationals. And you basically did all of that work in preparation for absolutely nothing. So guess who did all that work in preparation for absolutely nothing? Now, not saying I did bad. I did the monologue uh, category, which the monologue category is you have two contrasting monologues. Contrasting meaning they're like different from each other. Like one is a dramatic monologue and one is a comedic monologue. You perform these monologues back to back in under three minutes. You have only three minutes to do completely different emotional monologues now uh that seems easy because monologues can be like a paragraph paragraph and a half but because i am fucking stupid and i wasn't expecting to get only three minutes to perform it i chose monologues that were a page long and needed dramatic pauses to be either funny or even good after i performed the first monologue uh i knew i was fucked beforehand Literally the night before, I was like, hmm, maybe I should actually time these to see how long they were. And when the first monologue finished after about two minutes, and the second monologue was definitely going to be more than a minute and a half, that's when I knew I was screwed. So, you know, that was really awesome. Uh, after the first monologue, I but there was a point, I had a little bit of hope. Because after enough uh, being, you know, angry at myself, or after enough time beating myself up or be for being stupid and not timing these earlier and realizing they were longer than three minutes and choosing different monologues. I started to, to get faster at them and uh, in a way that didn't, you know, make them any less funny or any less dramatic. Uh, I started to get faster at them. I was like, okay, maybe I can do these under three minutes. But the actual day of the performance, I was the last one in my group to go. So I get up there. I'm ready. All right. Gotta do this quick and snappy. So I do my first monologue, and I look down. One of the judges, the judges are volunteers, basically. They're given the rubric, and they, you know, sign off on uh, their ratings or whatever, and then they choose the ratings for you, yada, yada, yada. Uh, One of the judges had her phone face up, which had the timer on it. And after my first monologue was done, I was like, oh, let me take a sneak peek at the timer to see where I'm at. I was already over three minutes after my first monologue. So, fuck. Now, originally, uh, I thought that that meant I was just going to get a point marked down, right? I was, if I, that means I couldn't get superior, right? It's just a penalty. So, the highest I can get was excellence. So I was like, okay, that's fine. But somebody told me that it just means you're straight up disqualified. Like, you, you get nothing. You, you get absolutely no- Now, do I feel like absolute shit because I basically just squandered all of that effort for absolutely nothing obviously do i feel like i accomplished absolutely nothing in my life because of that and i got literally nowhere because of that because of my stupid decisions and my poor timing with you know not realizing that the monologues were too long before the comp day of the competition uh absolutely i feel like i feel fucking horrible about it and i feel like i did absolutely nothing with my life even though i could have done something and the way i framed the sentence was there was the way it sounded was that there was going to be a but at the end. Um, there is no but. I feel like I accomplished nothing and I'm very disappointed in myself. And I feel like my life could have been a lot better had I not, you know, just won it and, and, and put in more work. In fact, I feel like that about a lot of things in life uh, where I feel like if I hadn't made mistakes prior, I could have been living a lot better life. Um, 
I mean, even sometimes I feel like I've, I've ruined my life in a way because of decisions. You know, it's the butterfly effect. Small decisions from when you were young kind of snowball into an even bigger problem as you get older. Like, you know, always playing video games when my friend would come over in my, in my neighborhood and not taking advantage of the fact that I had friends in my neighborhood that could just come over whenever or fucking up a relationship with a very close friend of mine that, you know, your parents really love and they're always talking about them like, oh, you should see this person more. And I'm like, well, I can't because they don't want to see me as much as I want to see them now um, because I fucked up. So is it kind of dramatic for me to say, like, I feel like I ruined my life? Yeah, probably, but I just feel like I could have, I could be living a way better life um, than I am right now. And I mean, even then, with that, uh, it's also just the friends I have in general. I feel like I could have been, I could be a lot better off than I am right now. But this is a little bit too much of us being sad. To interrupt that, we have another question from Askatine. Uh, Anonymous asks, what is the funniest memory you and your guest have together? Uh, anyways, that leads me to uh, the next thing that happened that day. There is a reason that day was super duper long. Uh, now, not only did I compete, uh, I also got to meet up once again with the girl that I had met in Phoenix at the State Festival, which I thought would be the next fucking thing after regionals. Uh, the girl that I met, the dance partner that I was going to bring to my winter formal, uh, I met with her that day. I met her with her group at Empire. Um, they were, they were interesting to say the least. They were all juniors and seniors, um, and there was absolutely no filter. That's the thing with teenagers. Uh, I think is that the filter that they have when meeting new people, especially of their age, when you kind of get the sense that they're, you know, as they say, uh, chill like that. The filter is lacking. So, yeah. She called her birth control pills uh, her depression pills. It's very cool. Anyways, um, I did meet her. Uh, we did catch up on some of the dances. I was afraid that she was going to be punch me in the face for stepping uh, on her feet, but that's just because I had goofy-ass shoes that I'd never worn before that were all black. Oh, I didn't tell that story, huh? I'll tell that at a later time. Um, but it was really good. We were going to work on some different dances and just, just to be ready for formal and understand like when you're freestyling to a dance, what am, what does that mean when I say we're going to do side to side salsa or we're going to do back and forth? You know, what is, what does that mean we have to do for that? But it was a lot of fun. I met with them and she was the one that actually told me that if I were to go over time, I would be completely disqualified while it was my theater director who told me that if I were to go over time, I would just be penalized and marked down. Uh, a ranking. Now, who am I going to believe? I am equally afraid of both, so I'm not really sure. Uh, but anyways, this all took place, the whole uh, competition took place from like 7.45 or like 8 o'clock in the morning to uh, like 3 in the afternoon. Whole five hours. It was great. But you, you got to roam downtown Tucson. I got to have lunch. Something that my theater troupe did not understand because they didn't go with me to uh, the trip in Phoenix. They took the always stay in a pair rule very seriously to the point where even though I was with a whole nother group, there was still a person following me the entire time, which, you know, good on them for following the rules and whatever. But like, that means that they would wait for me to go back to the group because they didn't want to walk by themselves, even though the group that was waiting for us 
was on like the opposite end of the building, like 200 feet. Like literally you go around a corner and then walk a hundred feet and then they're right there, but they didn't want to go because they can't be by themselves. And you know, I have to be in a pair with them or whatever, but I was busy, you know, spending my lunch with the girl that I had met and working on the dances that we were going to be doing at the dance later that day, because winter formal was that night it was saturday night that's why i'm saying it was such a long day so then they got mad at me for a problem that they themselves could have solved so you know what it's whatever and then also my uh theater group was like calling me at like 12 so we had lunch from 12 to 1 an hour or was it 11 to 1 i'm not sure a couple of a couple of hours like one to two hours lunchtime you go out on campus you're supposed to stay in a pair you eat you do your own thing and then you're back at one that's how i did it in phoenix and i felt awesome i felt great it it was like i felt like a an independent adult right i go do the job and then i'm on my lunch break i do whatever i eat food i chill out for an hour and then i'm back at one no earlier no later right and they were calling me at like 12 50 and they're like ed where the fuck are you i'm like it is 12 48 right now i'm not going back right now. like what do you know um, so then they got mad at me because uh, they were waiting for me, even though it wasn't even one o'clock yet. So you know what? It just sucks to suck because theater, especially since it has taken so much of my time and schedules are a really big thing in theater. Uh, I take it in a different approach as, you know, other people do. I, if rehearsals end at 530, I'm cleaning up a little bit, right? To, to, if there's a really big mess, I'm obviously going to help out and, and clean up. So that my director doesn't have to do clean up, you know, the entire theater. It's a big space and we roam a lot. But if rehearsals end at 530, I'm clocking out at 530. If I got an hour lunch break, I am on that lunch break for the hour and then coming back on time. Uh, there is no wishy-washy kind of like intangible boundaries here. No. When rehearsals end, I'm clocking out. When I'm not required to be there for a rehearsal and I don't want to be there for the rehearsal... I'm not on the schedule, right? Like, I, I treat it like a job. And because of that, I kind of feel more prepared for the path the path of adulthood ahead of me um, because I understand how schedules work, and I take schedules very seriously. If you give me an hour lunch break and say, okay, just go downtown, eat, and then come back by one, I will go downtown, eat, have a good time, and then come back by one. No sooner, no later. If you say rehearsals end at 5.30, I'm clocking out at 5.30. And I say clocking out on purpose so you know that I take this shit professionally. But it's, that's also kind of been ingrained in my mind too because our musical, which musicals happened every other year. So like freshman year, I didn't see the musical because it was the year before that. Uh, our musical is in full swing now. Rehearse, rehearsals for it are in full swing, which means every single day till 530, I'm there not till 5.30, like 3.30 to 5.30 or 2.30 to 5.30, depending on some days. Um, after school, I am there rehearsing, working on the musical. It's in mid-March, so we don't have a lot of time to prepare for it. But because I am dealing with rehearsals every single day now, I'm treating it more like a job. It, I literally, it's literally a nine to... It's an, <laughs> school, to me now, is a nine to five. Obviously, I enjoy it. I have a good time with it. But 5.30, I'm clocking out. If I get a lunch break, 10-minute lunch break, I'm taking that 10-minute lunch break and I'm coming back 10 minutes later, right? If I'm not on the list of people that need to be there, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> like, unless I really want to be there and I feel like being there, I no, I'm not required to be there. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of have more fun treating it as a job because 
it kind of prepares me for the future and how I should kind of see things and kind of deal with schedules. So, yeah. But then because of other people don't see it the same way that I do, they get mad at me because of how I see the schedule. Like, no, I don't care if you're waiting for me at 1250. Lunch ends at 1. I'm not coming back at 1. That is on you. If you can't walk 500 feet away from me, you know, down around a corner to join up with the group, then because, you know, you have to be in pairs, that's on you. I am busy busting a move. Speaking of busting a move, later that day was actually winter formal. The thing that I invited this girl to since December finally happened, and I can say with confidence that we tore that shit up. It was a dance, he was a dance partner for a reason. Now, we could have probably tore it up more had the songs that I, uh, you know, put on the, the playlist. So how it works is we send our song recommendations to student council and then student council compiles that and sends it to the DJ who makes a mix based off of those suggestions, which means if a DJ, if the DJ doesn't have a song on the playlist, then he can't play it because it's already pre-mixed. So the songs that I had given the student council, uh, that they had told me were on the playlist um, weren't on the playlist because they were like, who's going to dance to that? Nobody knows how to dance. Oh, you're going to dance to it? I'd love to see that. I'll bring my camera. Uh, yeah, they fu- so they fucking lied to my face and said that the songs uh, were on there when they weren't. So that was cool. But no, uh, it was a really great time. I did kind of bring... I felt like I brought a cougar into our school. She was an absolute fucking menace, bro. She pulled half the school. She was exchanging snaps left and right. Now, obviously, I didn't give a shit, right? I wasn't there. I wasn't there as a date. I wasn't like, I was, first of all, she had a boyfriend, which that in and of itself could be in a whole entire conversation. But it was really cool because we understood where the line was, right? We understood who each like who both of us were as people and we like there was a mutual understanding. We both understood the assignment. We both understood what we were there to do. We both understood that there's going to be no like wishy-washy like weird things happening that night because we both know there was a line that was not going to be crossed. I knew how she was, she knows how I am. And then we both just had fun with that night and there were no hard feelings. It was a really fucking great time. Even when she was like grinding her ass off against some girl that stole her because her boyfriend couldn't dance. I didn't give a shit. It was fucking fun. It was a really great time. Um, But yeah, there was some freshman hitting on her. There was some freshman, which I didn't actually know he was a freshman. It was some dude with a cowboy hat. Uh, Some, because he looked like he ate two other freshmen. There was some freshman that like really, <sighs> all I can say is he really wanted it. And I, it kind of made me realize in that moment, I felt really glad that, uh, I was who I was because I'm like, I'm aware of who she is. I'm aware of how she is. And because of that, I'm not going to set any unrealistic expectations. And I'm not going to try to achieve anything that is unachievable, right? I'm not going to try. First of all, I don't even, I didn't even want her as a relationship in the first place. And I'm not, I haven't been trying to riz her up because we're just homies. We're homies that are fucking really good dancers. And so seeing people try to hit on her was really funny and, uh, I don't know. I got like a weird, strange, smug feeling from it because I'm like, good luck with that, bro. <laughs> she was an absolute menace. Anyways, um, so yeah, she was a, she was really fun. It was a really great time. Um, and I did, it was also, that mutual understanding was really important and was uh, really awesome because uh, there was a girl that I was talking to at the time. Now, uh, I met her like last week and she came into my life like an absolute called her Miley Cyrus, that shit wrecked uh, a lot of things, um, I kind of style myself as 
uh, loosey goosey. After my first relationship, I was completely afraid of commitment because of how draining it was. But that's just because it was a bad, you know, it's a bad relationship. It wasn't that. It wasn't what a relationship is supposed to be, or at least a healthy one that is vibrant and that lasts a long time. Um, so I was like, I am not gonna lock it down with anybody. I'm not really catching romantic feelings for anybody. Obviously, the other two systems, which are attraction and um, lust, uh, are in full effect. But romantic, why? Like romanticism is not in my system right now. The thoughts of thought of holding hands with someone, like. You know, as as a partner, grossed me the fuck out. It was scary. Someone tried to interlock fingers with me. I was like, nah, we're not doing that. Uh, and then this girl came out of nowhere. Uh, and the third system fucking booted up like that one Mustang in front of your house at eight eight o'clock at night uh, with their uh, the little like turbo. What do they call like the metal cylinders out the front with the engine sticking out of the hood? Yeah, it was bad. She came out of nowhere, but you know, I had feelings for her. And then I let her know. I'm like, hey, I have this dancing partner. So I'm sorry I can't uh, take you to formal, uh, but I'll make it up to you. And so we're going to hang out later this week. She's very cool. She's very sweet. But it was cool because I would dance with people on the dance floor. And uh, I don't want to say grind. It wasn't grinding. It was dancing. It was just more intimate dancing. Um, But at the end of the day, I knew where my feelings were. There were no strings attached. And I joked about it with my dancing partner. I'm like, we're friends with minor benefits. She, she said she didn't want to be referred to as a friend with a minor benefit, but I was like, no, the joke is for the minor benefit is like dancing, is that we both know how to fucking dance and we both can tear shit up with salsa or, or uh, like regaton or like with bachata or whatever. But that's it. There's no strings. There's no like false feelings. There's no feelings that get left behind anywhere. And I think that was a really, it's a really nice relationship to have because it's someone that you can have fun with. But at the end of the day, you know, you're not going to ruin anything that you have going on in your regular life because of them, because you understand where the line is with that person and you understand that you're not going to cross it. And she was cool with it too. Like for the slow dances, uh, the other girl's friend who I'm also uh, buddies with would find me in the middle of the crowd, drag me away from my dancing partner, and then throw me to uh, the girl that I was talking to during the slow dances, which I had to like, uh, I looked at my dancing partner, like, are you cool with this? She's like, yeah, no, good. And then I dabbed her up and everything. But I think that's really important to Aristotle said uh, a really good quote that kind of, I think, defines this. Not not fully, but Aristotle, you know, that one dude from ancient Greece that said a bunch of shit that was considered, that was like mind-blowing, you know, I'm 14 and this is deep, uh, that we now have to analyze 2,000 years later in English class. Aristotle said, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought, and I don't remember the rest of the quote. It is the mark of an uneducated mind to entertain a thought but not take ownership of a thought? I don't know. Thought spelled T-H-O-U-G-H-T, obviously. (laughs) Um, But this quote means, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to think of something, but not act on that thought. You can, it's like looking at a fish tank, right? You can see the fish in the fish tank and you can observe it and be like, oh, those are fish in the fish tank. But you're not in, that doesn't mean you're in the fish tank as a fish. You can observe a thought like the earth is flat and then not believe that the earth is flat. You can be homies with a girl and like, you know, have really like uh, kind of physical dances with her, but that doesn't mean you're going to catch feelings for her, romantic feelings, especially. 
And that means, like, you can just have friends that are girls. Like, I've said in a previous episode, I'm homies with a lot of girls. Now, a lot of those girls have boyfriends, but I'm also homies with the boyfriends. And they're aware that I am the guy that he doesn't have to worry about. But, like, you actually don't got to worry about me. I'm fucking, I'm, I'm chill. And I told my mom that, too. She's like, she'll ask me. She's like, Mijo, why are you, why are you friends with so many girls that are boyfriends? And I'm like, I don't know. Is it, it's not my fault that they have personalities that are fun and that I would like to be friends with and that they actually uh, would like to talk to me as much as I want to talk to them. Like, I, I don't, they're just good friends that happen to be girls. And that doesn't mean I'm romantically attracted to them because I'm completely aware of where the line is and what taking it too far would mean. And both parties are happy and have a mutual understanding of that we're just homies here to have a good time, but in the long run, it's not going to mean anything major. And because of that, uh, I have made some really great friendships. And because of that, I will continue to have that, uh, make uh, to make sure to have that level of awareness in life to be like, okay, I'm going to be friends with this person, but, and I'm going to have fun with them. But in the long run, it's not going to mean anything. So it's just the two systems, but the one system was reserved for someone that's really, really special. But yeah, she was cool. Dance partner was cool too. Yeah, she uh, stole a lot of my. She tore into my friend for having L Riz. She was really mean. I've noticed that. She was a fucking god. I brought a domestic terror. She showed up, insulted like everybody, grinded on people, and then left. <laughs> that was it. That's a very vague description of what happened. We actually danced, dance, but it was it was really fun. She was a great dancer. But yes, the girl I was talking to uh, said hi to my mom actually that night. Uh, asked her what her favorite favorite flowers were, or asked me what my mom's favorite flowers were, um, and I had actually forgotten. I f I knew the answer, but I just my brain didn't know what it was, because that makes perfect sense. My brain knew what it was. I didn't know what it was. So I like texted her. I'm like, hey, what are you? What are your favorite? I know what your favorite flowers are, but just like just for clarification, um, what are they? And then he texted me like, you don't remember what my favorite flowers are, do you? And I was like, shit. But yes, Saturday was a really, really fun day. Lots of dancing, lots of walking around downtown and feeling like an independent adult going on his own lunch break. But obviously with school dances, though, there is, I don't want to say a hangover. I mean, okay, listen, some teens are definitely hungover after, after a dance. But there is a sort of emotional hangover that happens because you experience such a rush of dopamine and serotonin from that event, from having so much fun, and then the day after, you're like, man, this shit sucks. Especially when you see everyone's Instagrams and see all their stories and see all the pictures that they took during and before Winter Formal. Well, guess who didn't take any pictures? Also, guess who didn't show up in any pictures because I was busy dancing? Hey, it's not my fault. The line to the photo booth was long as shit, and I didn't want to wait in line uh, and not dance. So what I'm going to do is uh, when my friends bring the photos that they all took together, I'm just going to get a Sharpie and write, Syed was here, and draw like a little stick figure in the picture, and that's going to be me. Um, but anyways, with that, I have made my entry into Azumar's Diary. Thank you all so much for listening, and catch us next week where... I can once again make absolutely no promises, but what I can promise is that it is a school night, and it is currently 9.30, so I should probably be heading to bed. Good night, fellas.